You're listening to the Leading Healthy Creative Teams podcast with Matt Curtis. This is the podcast that helps you take your creative team from wherever you are today to healthy and effective. Hey friends, thanks for joining me this week on the Leading Healthy Creative Teams podcast. This week we're going to continue our look at branding. We're going to shift out of the philosophical or even biblical view of what is a brand and what does God's word have to say about our brand, how we should be known as a church. And we're going to look at a case study that's on my website. You can go to lunchtimeheroes.co and you can find case studies in the top corner. And then you're going to want to click on brand strategy. And what this is going to do is it's going to give you a walkthrough outside of the realm of theory. And it's just going to show you the practical implementation of what a brand strategy looks like. For a lot of organizations, something has changed in their history that has caused them to become more complex. Now, there's this sort of common story during the megachurch era where a church started in a living room with a handful of couples, and now we're at 20,000 and you know can't find parking for four miles, that kind of thing. That's the typical origin story of the megachurch. So in that sense, going from a church of you know, seven couples to 20,000, there's a lot of extra complexity. What's interesting, though, is that even the small churches that are not pursuing mega growth are running into similar challenges. So multi-site is a good example. There are some organizations, some churches that have chosen to step into the multi-site model, and they've encountered complexity because now they have a brand in some cases, a regional brand. We are, you know, this location church. Oh, well, now we're not just this location church. I saw a conversation on Facebook just the other day where a, a church was saying, we're called the city that we're in, but now we're planting a church in a different city that we're in. Like, What do you do? <laughs> That's a real problem. And so we're running into complexity, even if we're not pursuing mega growth because of things like multi-site. There are also churches that are leveraging parts of the multi-site model to be a portion of the way that they plant churches. I actually think this is a beautiful approach. This was one of the first things that drew me to a multi-site model when I first heard about it sort of growing in the church. The idea is that you plant a church, but it's a part of your church. And then you have this very intentional transition plan. In some cases, it's two years. In some cases, it's five years. You know, The duration of time isn't really that critical. But what happens is in the beginning, you are part of this church. A couple years in, you are now developing your own internal stuff. <laughs> You've built an infrastructure. Maybe even you have your own elder board. Or maybe a couple elders from your church are now sitting with the elder board from the church, the planting church. Well, now all of a sudden, there's another transition that comes. And then now you are an autonomous, independent, I mean, maybe tied to a denomination, but independent from the planting church, church. So what happens is now there needs to be brand flexibility because the church is going to have some logo. It's going to have some identifier. And so even though you're not a mega church, you're dealing with some of those very complex problems. The same is true when you run into denominations or associations or whatever. The church that I served at for a long time was part of an association of churches so there's a layer of complexity that goes into some of those elements. So a practical look at the day-to-day -day of what this actually means is going to be a helpful build off of last week's episode where we talked more about the biblical perspective, what is it that scripture says a church should be known for, and then aligning yourself to say, is this what we're known for? Is this what the community sees? Are we known as a place of unity? 
are we known of a, as a place of peace? Or are we constantly stirring up discord? That's a problem because scripture says your brand as a church shouldn't be that. It should be one that's known as peace or making disciples or baptizing them or however it is, you know, whichever of those you want to really focus on. I mean, my argument, of course, is that scripture calls the church to all of those things. And so you don't really have the option of picking your favorite. <laughs> this is what the church is supposed to be from a biblical perspective. Again, that's last week's episode. Go and check it out if you haven't already heard it. But let's take a look at this case study now. It's for a church where I served on staff, High Desert Church. They're located in Southern California. And we were a, a regional large church. We would fit into the mega church category. And we were basically in an area that was relatively isolated. It was about 45 minutes from pretty much anywhere else in Southern California. You had to drive through a pass. So it wasn't like, oh yeah, I can see it over there. It's like, you have to intentionally go this way <laughs> to get to this region. It's called the Victor Valley, about 350,000 people. So we were High Desert Church and we were one regional campus. We, we've always been kind of rural. You know, there's not like a, a big urban downtown or anything, but the infrastructure continually grew and things got more complicated. And what it meant was that it was actually harder to travel across town than it used to be. And so what went from, you know, a 10 to 15 minute drive from one extent to the other started to become a 45 minute drive from one extent to another. So there was a practical challenge that we were running into in terms of the whole desert having to come to us. We were pretty nicely centrally located, but it still meant that some people would have to travel a half an hour in order to get to church. The church was very, very big on personal evangelism. So what it means for me, there are people in my life that God has put around me. And so I need to be intentional with them. I need to represent the message of the gospel to that group of people. If those people are far away from the church in proximity, it's going to be harder for them to come with me when I invite them to church or to participate in the ministry that I'm doing. So that's the premise. That's kind of where we're coming from. So multi-site was, was really born out of that philosophy to say, well, if we had ministry hubs, and that's kind of how we termed them, officially they were called campuses, but we termed them as ministry hubs to say, you invite the people in your world to the closest location. So it doesn't matter if you live on one end of the desert and you work on the other, go to the one that's closest, to go to the campus that's closest to the people that you're ministering to. Cool concept, great idea, you know, whatever, however... <laughs> However you want to parse that, that was the decision that we moved forward with. And so on the site, you'll see HDC, Apple Valley, Phelan, Victorville, and Asperia. Those were the four sort of main areas where we had locations. So that's all fine and good. It's color-coded. It looks sharp. Each campus has a little bit of character because they all have their own, you know, they have their own font. And we tried to choose them in relation to the, the culture, the subcultures that existed in those communities. But as you scroll down the page, you'll begin seeing where the complexity started to overwhelm us. Practically speaking, as the one leading the team, uh, the creative team, this is where things really started to go off rails for me. Someone came to me and said, hey, the division of, of students isn't working for us in our campus. The issue was around, uh, if I remember right, I believe it was, it was a fifth grade class. So the big campus had a, a fifth grade program. But the smaller campuses didn't have enough critical mass to include a totally separate program just for that age range. Also, different age range breakdowns made more sense because there are fewer people. So you think about it, it's like people who play their guitar with their left hand. I mean, a campus of 5,000 is going to have more people show up to that than a campus of 
1,000 or 500 or 200. And so the practical challenges of multi-site really began pushing us to have to develop completely unique and completely different articulation of what was going on on our campus. Historically, as you can see from the visual, we had logos all over the place. We had logos for our check-in station for pre-preschool. Like we had subdivisions like birth through one year old. And like each of those had its own logo. It's like, oh, go to Noah's Ark Park. That's what that one's called, you know? We had another one called Short Borders. And it's like, these are all whatever clever things, but two problems that began to emerge. The first was, what the heck is a short border? <laughs> and then second, what if I'm at a different campus and they call that different? So I go to Victorville one weekend and I go to Short Borders, but then I go to Apple Valley another weekend and it's an entirely different program. I don't know how to engage this at all. So these were some of the problems that were coming up. And then for me, I'm looking at my staff and I'm thinking, I, we're going to have to hire a full-time logo designer just to keep up with the load of all of the different logos that are going to be requested. Because you're going to start the conversation with a need. We need a different logo for a different age breakdown. But then it's going to be, you know what? I don't think this one that you use on this campus works the same for us over here. And so then it becomes a, a preference-driven conversation. And it becomes really complex because from a comm seat, it's really hard to parse through that. How much of this is just you prefer it versus you actually need it and it's mission critical for your ministry? So a lot of those questions were swirling and there was really this unhealthiness that I saw starting to surface and it was about separation. It was about division. It was about people aligning themselves with their logo and functionally their brand because they were creating a culture around their unique ministry in the overarching ministry of the church. That was concerning to me. And this is a piece of why I start this brand conversation with what does scripture have to say? Because unity is a really big part of this. And I understand that we often talk about unity within the body of Christ, within the congregation. But there needs to be unity in the mission of the local church that you're serving at across ministries. So every ministry leader needs to be moving in the same direction. This isn't like our kids' ministry needs to be top-notch and we're going to win and everybody else is going to lose. It's a very unhealthy and dangerous attitude to have in your church. So if you're leading a church, that's a problem. You need to identify that. And as a comm leader, I'm not leading the church. So it put me in an awkward position to try to navigate how do we have some of these conversations. Well, one of the ways that I was trying to solve this problem, I had to kind of pause a little bit because I was so overwhelmed with the volume of requests we were getting. And I just sort of said to myself, okay, well, let's say I quit my job. What if I quit my job and I was hired at a church that had the same setup as this one, as high as a church? How would I solve the problem then? And that was a very important question for me to ask because I was getting stuck on some of the history of the brand and some of the history of the logos. After praying about it and even having some conversations with some of the people on the team, I said, I think this is the right decision to go down the road. So worked with my design team and I said, okay, guys, here's what we need to do. We need to rebrand, but we, we need to rebrand specifically in a way that is nimble, that is flexible. And there's other values. We'll get to those in a minute. But, but we wanted to really simplify the way that we were presenting information. And so as you could see on the visuals here, we kind of called it a plain name approach to communications or to branding, where we would just call it what it is. And so you have your designations, you have your campus level designations and your ministry level designations. 
But ultimately, we were elevating what we argued was the most important thing, and that is High Desert Church. That's the win. The win is HDC. What you'll find is you'll find a priority structure here, and I've mapped it out under the Why Change section. We have High Desert Church. That's the highest priority, and that's the first emblem that you see. The second priority is a practical priority, which is the campus. What is the location where this is going to be happening or that this is connected to? That was important because we were getting parents calling us saying, hey, I signed my kids up for this event for students. We're sitting in the parking lot, but there's no other cars here. What's the deal? And then we realized, oh, you actually signed up for an event at a different campus. Yikes. That's not even a thing that we're offering to you. That's a problem. We needed to make sure that the brand functioned better as a wayfinding tool to let people understand, oh, this is an event that is for someone else. And then the last area here is another practical concern. What's the actual ministry that this is associated with? And so what you ended up with was an organizational badge, a campus identifier, and a ministry, just the word spelled out in the, in the font of the organization. And so that made it incredibly simple for us to brand everything. And it made it very clear which ministries belonged in terms of campus, but also in terms of you know adult ministry, small groups, et cetera. The driving force behind this I've mentioned was a little bit of a spiritual angst for me. I appreciate that competition can be fun and engaging and a, you know, a bonding activity, but it felt like the competition between campuses and between ministries was going further than it needed to. So I put together a branding philosophy that really tried to address these things in a clear way. And the reason that I wanted to approach it this way is that I don't want to make a, a change, and I don't recommend this for any organization. If you don't like your logo, I don't care. <laughs> I can't tell you the amount of stuff that I've put out as a graphic designer that I don't personally prefer. That's not how you communicate successfully. It's not about preference at all. It's about who you're trying to communicate to. It's about the, the mission of your organization. And so if you have a mission, which you should as an organization, there's an episode about that actually, if you have a mission as a church, that should be the thing that's driving the way that you present everything. And so this shift needed to be justified somehow because every shift needs to be justified somehow. And so these are the things that I really landed on as critically important for this transition. And they were a reflection of the organizational value. So this isn't calm going rogue and, and making up some new established value set. This is building off the mission of the church. So here's what we have. We have clarity. I want people who have never been to High Desert Church to understand what we're saying without us explaining it. If somebody has never been to our church before, they should be able to navigate their way from where they are to where they need to be without anybody else's help. When we have logos and brand marks and phrases that are not clear to somebody who has never attended before, we are making it much more difficult for them to engage in, the, in a church for the first time. So that was a high priority for us with this rebrand. Clarity was a very high priority. I also wanted it so that people could go from one campus to another campus and still understand what was happening. So when you go to a McDonald's and you want to order a Big Mac, it's called a Big Mac everywhere. It's not called a Big Mac in Texas and then a something else Mac somewhere else. That's a silly example, but that's one of the common problems that we run into when we have multi-site churches. We have totally different naming conventions across all of our campuses. 
you, you need to make sure that it's the same so that the user interface of the church is the same everywhere. When I walk into church, I should expect the same check-in experience. I should expect the same naming conventions. I should expect really the same time of church service. And I don't mean that from a, the user demands it perspective. I mean that because that's the organization that you're working with. That's the nature of what you're doing as a church. And so if you have varied experiences across all of your different campuses, you're going to create a problem over time. And that problem is that you're going to incubate a new culture that is not the same culture as the overarching church. And so that is what creates division. So we wanted to get rid of that. We wanted to strip that ability to create those subcultures because we want a healthy church culture. The next thing that we wanted to make sure that we prioritize was scalability. We were in a season of remarkable change. We were making a lot of decisions that had a lot of implications. At one point, I had heard rumors, enough rumors, of a new campus that we were considering maybe launching. So I talked to the designer. I said, look, I'm going to need you to just whip up a new brand for this campus. We're going to launch it with these ministries most likely. So can you just throw something together for me? In about 20 minutes, she came back to me. She said, yeah, here, I picked a color, and here's the acronym, and everything else is the same. And I thought, man, what, a, what an incredible help this new tool has been for us. It gave us so much flexibility. It helped us be so nimble. And, and really, it helped us be scalable. So if the senior pastor came to us and said, hey, we've decided we're going to launch 10 new campuses by the end of the year, I could say, great, we'll have all of the logo marks and all of the visuals done for you in about an hour. What a cool thing to have something that's so, so scalable. Flexibility really is kind of connected to that, and I sort of alluded to that a little bit, but that's the fourth priority here in terms of this brand philosophy. As each campus begins developing and investing in a local focus, this approach positions us to be able to help support better. So one of the problems you run into when you have an icon or a visual mark as your logo is that it is a strong weight carrier. And so in the case of, of High Desert Church, the palm tree is the logo. That palm tree can be used independently of any other language. Now, not everybody will get it. It's not as strong of a brand mark as, let's say, Starbucks. Starbucks often uses the, uh, the logo, you know, their Starbucks logo. At one point, they were even just going to a green circle. That's how, I mean, that's how incredibly powerful <laughs> the brand that they've created is. But you think about just that Starbucks logo, and that's enough to communicate what's happening. So what we're running into is that's an issue for us. We don't want to have to create a new icon that is so compelling and so strong because we can't, we just can't keep up with the volume of, of how many requests we're going to be getting around this. So instead, just by using text, just by spelling out the word small groups or spelling out men's ministry, it removes the back and forth. It removes the hours of development. It removes so much of the complexity of building out new visuals to identify a ministry. Now, I, I get it. Those things are nice and they're neat, but they really do distract from a more unified organization. And unity is the fifth priority here under the brand philosophy. What I wanted to really push on is that you doing well in your ministry isn't a win for your ministry. It's a win for High Desert Church. And perhaps more importantly, another person's ministry is not a loss for your ministry. It's a win for High Desert Church. And so this really was a push toward this idea of unifying how it is that we view everything that happens as an organization. 
everything needs to be unified. And what I found was that removing the ability to identify with your brand and build this sort of micro culture around it, it was a really big piece of making that begin to happen. Now, I want to add a giant caveat to all of this. Your logo is not going to drive the spiritual hearts of your people. Like, that's just not a thing. And, And so I don't want you to hear that, oh, there was a huge spiritual problem on our staff, and a logo fixed it. That's not at all what was going on. I was beginning to see some of these behaviors show up, and I don't think that they were necessarily problematic. I just recognized that those little um, indicators of a, of a potential issue <laughs> were, were surfacing at the same time that we were going to run into a bandwidth limitation that we were literally incapable of keeping up with the volume of work that we had in front of us. And so this was really kind of the perfect storm of things happening where we could solve a problem in one area while also quietly addressing a potential problem in another. And that's really what a good brand strategy does. A good brand strategy does more than just rebrand your logos. It's more than just giving you a new pretty mark. A good brand strategy thinks through multiple layers of potential challenges that your organization may face, and it addresses all of them. So again, if you listen through this and you didn't pull up the example and you're like, what, is this, what, what does this look like? Lunchtimeheroes.co. And you'll find case studies in the top uh, header, and that's where you'll go to find the brand strategy case study for High Desert Church. I hope this is a helpful way for you to visually see, first of all, the value of, of a brand strategy, but also what it looks like to transition from a house of brands, where every ministry has their own logo, to a branded house. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leading Healthy Creative Teams. This podcast is just one of the ways Lunchtime Heroes helps build healthy creative teams in the church. Stay up to date on the latest by signing up for the Creative Bites email at lunchtimeheroes.co.